Why, hello there, Heart of Dating family. It's Kate Warman here, and I'm so glad you're listening to this mini-series today. Earlier this week, I had my girl, Tony Collier, on the podcast, and we talked about toxic relationships and abuse, and Tony shared a bit about her story of being married to a really toxic and abusive person. I shared a bit of my story, and um, today, I just wanted to come on and do a mini-series episode about what are the red flags to really recognize a toxic person. Abuse is horrific. Whether it's emotional or physical or verbal or sexual, abuse is going to deeply wound you and imprint a painful trauma in your memory. Years ago, I left a relationship that was painfully abusive in every sense of the word, not just physical, but in every other way too. And if you want to hear my entire abuse story, you can actually listen to episode 61. But for now, I want to set the scene really quick and I want to give a trigger warning. Um, You may want to pause this if hearing some abusive details will trigger you because I'm going to share just a few of mine right now. It was 3 a.m. and I was lying on the floor of my shoebox apartment. My new burgundy dress from All Saints had been stretched out and torn apart. My bed had been pushed to the other side of my room. Things were tossed everywhere. My head was aching and pounding. Who knew you could actually still think after having your head slammed to the ground and your hair pulled out? My voice was hoarse and raw for screaming for help to no avail. This was my status on a Thursday night in September, lying helpless, defeated, and battered, worried about whether I'd make it to see another New York City sunrise, or any sunrise for that matter. I never thought I'd be here again. Actually, scratch that. It had crossed my mind but I hadn't wanted to face the reality that getting back with Scott, who'd already proven to be abusive, could mean I would possibly be in the situation again. He could change, right? Friends, that is an excerpt from chapter eight of my book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, where I share a bit about my story, and that chapter is called I'm Not Crazy. Now, many of us are close to someone who has been abused Or, you know, we ourselves have been abused in some capacity. It's possible that we've actually suppressed some of those pains or memories from abuse. Maybe we've kept them hidden so that they don't overwhelm us. Or maybe something has happened to us that we've excused time and time again because we don't want to face the stark reality that someone we love is taking out their toxicity and wounding on us. We want to believe the best. We want to believe that they can change, but the patterns show otherwise. When I finally found the strength to get out of this abusive relationship, I found myself so deep in the pain and the trauma and warped in lies and manipulation from that relationship that my journey to find healing and wholeness was really long and very difficult. I remember hitting a moment after that relationship as I was processing through my pain and I realized I hadn't been single in a full 10 years. And with that realization, I understood and I finally could see the fact that I didn't actually know who Kate was outside of a relationship, outside of men and validation from men because I had only been in relationships. This terrible and chilling realization set me on a very long journey of inner healing, self-discovery, and reconciling. And let me just emphasize that this was a journey, a journey that was filled with countless tears, a lot of pain, and an awakening to self-compassion along the way. 
And I would be totally lying if I said that I didn't have moments where I wanted to go back to that ex. You know, I say this in the book, I said this on the last episode, but it takes seven times before someone will really leave an abusive person for good. And I left and came back to my abuser way more than seven times. It was a two and a half year relationship. I probably, we broke up about every month. So do the math on that one. But I kept coming back into that cycle of abuse. Something I hear a lot of people say is, Kate, I have been abused or I've been in a relationship with a toxic person and it was so painful and hard. And now I'm afraid of it happening again. I don't even want to date. I don't even want to put myself out there even with friends because I'm afraid of being abused or being with a toxic person again. Now I understand you guys why that fear may come up, but I also want to empower you. You are a powerful person. You can heal. You can learn to trust yourself and be strong and aware to spot abusers in the future. You truly can. And I want you to believe that. I say this in the book, and I love this quote. If you found the courage and endurance to face these horrific circumstances and survive, talking to abuse, imagine the power and resilience you will have as you heal and move forward. So if you have found the courage and endurance to face horrific circumstances like abuse and survive and get out of it, imagine the kind of power and resilience you have as you heal and move forward. Friend, you are strong. You are a powerful person. You can learn to trust yourself and you can learn to spot abusers in the future. Of course, there'll be seasons where you find yourself feeling weak or you may find people, especially in dating, that come off as really charming and might sweep you off your feet. And there might be moments when you feel lonely and you want to do anything for companionship. But within all of that, I also firmly believe that you can equip yourself with tools to spot toxic people. You can trust yourself. So right now, I just want to share a few red flags for you to take with you, a few extra tools that you can add into your tool belt, okay? The first red flag I want to talk about is love bombing. Oh my goodness. So what is love bombing? (laughs) Well, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's when someone throws love bombs at you. Now, this doesn't always happen with a toxic person, but a lot of times an abuser starts off their relationship by acting very charming. They might be witty, quick on their feet, well composed, say all the right things to you. And maybe they are, you know, they're, they're telling you all the things they know you want to hear or to make you laugh. And it can feel like this person just sees me and they just know me and it feels so amazing, you know? But this is how you get hooked in. Love bombing is a tactic that will temporarily calm your fears of abandonment and make you feel like all your worthlessness voids are being filled. But let me be honest, a toxic person knows this tactic and they play the role that they know you want, which is to adore you, treat you well, tell you all the things they want to hear so that they can hook you in. Okay. And this is what I've discovered. First of all, I want to just admit that I have been classically very, very into love bombing in the past. Like I used to be like, oh my gosh, like my love language is words of affirmation. I have a lot of anxious attachment wounding. And therefore when somebody is love bombing, I'm like, ooh, yay, this is amazing, right? But this is what I've discovered um, over time. When someone confesses their love or admiration for me, I actually want it to come after they've seen me at my worst or after I've had to ask for forgiveness for mistreating them, or after I've had to explain things, my hurts or my needs that maybe don't make any 
logical sense to them. I want them then to see me and hear me and love me and express their admiration for me. I want a relationship that stands the test of time and oftentimes true love and true knowing if you deeply love that person takes time to see. So the love bombing, I'm like, you just love what you see on the outside. I want to know if you still feel this way after you see my ugly sides. I want to know that you, if you feel this way after I share a need that makes no sense to you, right? You want somebody who is going to give you genuine affirmations, genuinely sees you, not just says the things that they think you want to hear, okay? Uh, It's really easy to say pretty words. It's much harder to follow through with meaningful actions that stand the test of time. Now, not all love bombers are abusers wearing masks, okay? But it is something to pay attention to. Uh, And I'm not saying that somebody you're dating shouldn't be kind to you and affirming to you in the beginning. No, that's good. Just watch the level of love bombing. Is it like such grand proclamations, things that they couldn't possibly really know about you uh, until they really, really got to know you? And especially if they're like talking really early on about marriage and picturing a life with you, y'all, this is just, that is some sort of cautionary flag right there. Another red flag is codependency. And it feels like today we throw around this word a lot. Okay, so I want to explain it just a little bit more here. Codependency is a pattern of needing another person to need you, love you, or even change for you. Eventually, because of this dependency, you end up compromising things. And what happens when you compromise things over and over for someone or depend on someone else to make you feel loved or if you look to someone to change for you specifically, then what over time ends up happening is your identity meshes with their identity in unhealthy ways. And over time, you'll see this because someone's ability to love you or need you or change for you ends up becoming a direct reflection of your value. So, oh my gosh, this has happened to me so many times where I, it's like out of control. I want to help them or I want to see them get better. And I, I just recognize the best in them. And I am so focused on it that when it doesn't happen, I end up feeling destroyed, right? This is you being in a codependent relationship because their needs and their ability to change is separate from you. You can't control them. You can't make them do all the things that you want them to do. You also can't look to them to fill your love bucket entirely. Like You need to take care of yourself. And when you do these things, your identity becomes meshed with theirs in unhealthy ways. So something I want you to pay attention to about in these this codependency sort of lens, when you bring up a hurt or concern to somebody, you either a friend or, you know, a relationship type of person, how does that person respond to you? Do they respond with defense or with gaslighting? Talking about that in a second, because if they do, run for us, run, okay? Also though, maybe they don't respond with defense or gaslighting. Maybe they respond the opposite. Maybe they make these grand promises that they can change and it seems like they really do hear you. But in that, I just want you to be beware of false promises, okay? This is why it's really important to not just cling onto the words, but really look at the actions and the fruit of the spirit in their life. Sometimes a toxic person will say what you want to hear to keep you hooked with absolutely no action or true ownership behind it. 
So watch what they do. If they're saying, okay, I hear you. Yes, yes, I'll change that. But never makes a change through time. You need to know that. Or if they come up with all excuses like, yeah, but this is just what I'm going through right now or I'm going through a really hard time or or if they, especially if they deflect through gaslighting and are like, what are you talking about? Is it, it's you. Like you're crazy. That, that need is so not valid. Like you're being dramatic. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Then that is a major sign that this is not a good situation. So think about it. Do you have any codependent tendencies? And do you know how to spot them in somebody else? If you don't, a great book I recommend is the book Codependent No More by Melody Beattie. Of course, you can also read my book. Thank you for rejecting me because I talk all about this. But if you want even a deeper dive, go and read Codependent No More by Melody Beattie. All right, let's finally talk about gaslighting. What is this word gaslighting? I feel like this one has also been thrown around so much. And I just want to clarify what this really is. So gaslighting is where you find yourself feeling crazy, questioning yourself, and constantly being blamed by somebody else. It's usually an abuser's favorite tactic or a toxic person's favorite tactic. It's essentially manipulating someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity and ability to trust themselves. It's done by discounting or trivializing or lying, denying, countering, deflecting, projecting, and even accusing the other person of being dramatic or crazy. Gaslighting in a situation where you know you are right or you have the right to feel what you have to feel If somebody gaslights you in that moment, it's powerful because it catches you off guard. And what happens is that gradually over time, if it continues to happen, it starts disorienting you so much and you start not being able to really trust yourself and knowing what's true from what's not true. And it's kind of like you're being brainwashed through time. So I want to give some examples of what this looks like. Someone might say, no, I never said that. You're making things up again. Are you sure you have a bad memory? That did not happen. It's all in your head. You're being so dramatic. Stop being so crazy. You're upset over that? You're too sensitive. The list goes on and on and on, but these are just a few examples, okay? So you need to be very aware if somebody is gaslighting you. And if you bring this up to them and say, hey, I that makes me feel really um, discounted. It makes me feel really small. It makes me feel unsafe to share my needs, my feelings with you. And they respond with more defense and not any sense of compassion or desire to seek to change. Guys, this is a red alert. This is a classic case of somebody wanting to have control over you and having so much shame, usually in their life underneath the surface, that it comes out through projecting and blaming. And so two options that often happen in a shame-filled moment is either somebody cowers and they're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Or they get on the defense and the shame turns to blame and they just blame you and blame you and blame you because they can't actually face the shame that they actually have on the inside. In my abusive relationship, my abuser gaslit me continuously. And I had no like terms for this word at the time. I had no ability to put my word, my hands and my thoughts on an actual word or phrase that made sense to what I was experiencing, but I was being gaslit for two and a half years to the point of, I actually thought I was making things up. I share in episode 61 about a night I spent in the psych ward and it was 
probably the absolute lowest moment of my life. It was really traumatic and very hard and created a lot of shame for me. And after that night in the psych ward, I'll never forget months after that when the guy I was dating still continued to abuse me and especially when the physical abuse got heightened. Anytime I brought up like, hey, you did this or hey, you hurt me this way, he would reflect back on that night I spent in the psych ward and say, well, remember, you're crazy. So you actually made all this up. I didn't actually do those things to you. I didn't hurt you. I didn't hit you. I didn't strangle you. Uh, You're crazy. You guys, I believed it. I believed it over time because it had been hit. I'd been hit over the head with the same thoughts and phrases and discounting over and over and over again. It was so hard. I remember in the wake of the final moments of this abusive situation with this guy, I found myself on the floor of my New York City apartment um, back to the beginning of this episode where I shared a clip of that night. And as those things were happening, I remember these thoughts coursing through my mind. I remember saying, Kate, you aren't crazy. You aren't making this up, girl. This is really happening. This is happening to you. And during the moments when he was abusing me, I the only thing I could think to do was I was like, I need to find a way to record this. I need to find a way to know that this really happened. I need to be validated. I needed to know that I wasn't just, that I could trust myself, that these things were actually happening. And so in that moment, I did find my phone and I did record it. And I needed that for myself. And I I think back to that of how sad that is for me that to have had that experience that for years I was made to believe that I was making it all up. Now, friend, maybe you're hearing these red flags and you're realizing, gosh, that you've been through something like that. Maybe it's not as extreme as the example that I just shared, but maybe it's happening in smaller ways that still means that this is toxic and you need to protect yourself. I just want to say I am so sorry for any hurt or confusion or pain that's led to you feeling shame or worthlessness or hating yourself, whatever it is. I get it. I get what it's like to be stuck questioning and and blaming and shaming and not liking yourself. But not one drop of what has happened to you or is happening to you is fair. You did not deserve any of it. Here's a truth that helped me to stop getting involved with toxic people. You can't, within your own power, change an unhealthy person. And you also cannot convince an abusive or toxic person to change for you. When it comes to romantic relationships, you cannot marry potential. Now, a lot of people are like, but doesn't everyone deserve a chance? Why don't, like, why don't they care that they're doing hurtful things to me? I get it. I so wanted my abuser to change years ago, but they can't really see what they're doing is wrong. They don't operate on the same level of empathy and compassion as other people. They have their own agenda and they're often so blind because of so many layers of shame. They need help, honestly. And the best thing that you can do in these situations with a toxic person is remove yourself, detach, and pray for them. That's literally all we can do to fight for ourselves. We must be aware of the red flags that often come up for us. And when we spot them with somebody, we cannot change them and we can't make them want to change for us. It's not in our control to make someone care about how we feel. And it's not our responsibility to make them change. My friend, you are a powerful person and you can learn to trust yourself. It's taken me years to do that, but I can tell you today, I am so much stronger and have 
such an ability to spot toxicity when I see it in my life. And I believe that you can as well. Friend, if you want to hear more or read more, I should say, you can get my book. Thank you for rejecting me coming out Tuesday, the 16th. And guess what? You guys, it not only comes out in paperback, it also comes out on Audible in an audio format. So if you want to get that, you can go to Amazon and you can get my book. And if you enjoy listening to my podcast, I'm pretty sure you're also going to enjoy listening to the audio book. So it would really help me if you supported me in this way, whether you get the book, buy it for a friend or listen to it on Audible or in an audiobook format, it would just mean the world to me. So to do that, go to Amazon or go to thankyouforrejectingme.com. All right, friends, that's it for today. I will see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.